You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hi everyone, it's Paige Smathers. Thanks so much for being here. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at positive-nutrition.com slash podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever podcast app you use to listen to this podcast. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app. Search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige, and I'm your host, and um, today I'm doing something a little bit different. So I actually dropped the ball this week on recording this uh, podcast episode for um, for the upcoming week, and so as a result, I actually don't, I didn't have one in the queue ready to go. So I thought this might be fun to take some time to just kind of do a solo podcast episode, and I was trying to think of what might be a fun way to do that. And I thought, you know, I just finished this great series about intuitive eating with my pal Tiffany Rowe um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, So her Instagram handle is Mindful Counseling, and we teamed up to bring you the 10 principles of intuitive eating um, in kind of digestible format on social media. So if you haven't seen that already, check it out. I'm going to be referring to that quite a bit today. So I thought that I would kind of take what we did in the series and expand on that a little bit and definitely encourage you to check out her and her work. She is a therapist in Orem, Utah. Uh, She has a lot of great resources for, um, for anybody to to get their hands on. So she has a lot of courses that she, that she uh, runs and manages. So you could check those out. I think it's called mindfulcounselingschool.com. Pretty sure that's it. So anyway, I just thought I would bring you a little bit more of an expanded conversation about intuitive eating. I'm hoping that if anybody feels confused about what intuitive eating is, or if anybody kind of wants to be able to share what intuitive eating is with their family or friends, in kind of an easy-to-understand format. I'm hoping that this podcast episode can be that for them. So before I dive into this, I just want to say one of the things that I see a lot on social media regarding intuitive eating, it really seems like people um, just kind of learn about intuitive eating from following certain people online. And while that's a, that is a good way to get exposed to it, I think it's always good to do your own research and uh, maybe even seek out your own help or therapy or care um, in the form of like individual nutrition or therapy appointments. So anyway, I just see that, you know, sometimes the way we talk about intuitive eating on social media can kind of be confusing for people. But what I want to say is this is, there's a book about it. It's called Intuitive Eating. It's written by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who are both registered dietitians. The book has been around for a long time. Um, it's always good to kind of read the book before you make a decision whether or not you it's for you. 
Um, so I definitely want to encourage people to to head there to buy the book and, and read it and kind of give it a shot for yourselves. Now, another thing I want to say is I get really uncomfortable with it feeling like I'm trying to convince someone to adopt a certain way of eating. I don't really feel that way at all. In in my heart of hearts, I don't really feel like it's my job to convince anyone to do anything. What I do want to do is I want to provide you know, another way. So if you're the type of person that's just been on a diet your whole life and you are sick of the roller coaster and you're like, okay, I've heard of intuitive eating. I'm intrigued by it, but I don't really quite understand it. You know, you're the person that I'm recording this podcast for. I get really uncomfortable with with it feeling like I'm trying to convince someone or con- convert someone to my way or this way of doing things. Um, so just keep that in mind. This isn't intended to persuade or to change anyone's mind. It's just sort of sharing what has worked for a lot of people and what is another you know, option when you're thinking about how to approach food and what you want to do and what choices you want to make. This is another option. So with that, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to just read the um, descriptions that Tiffany and I came up with um, for each of the principles of intuitive eating. And I want to do a little bit of a conversation. I want to like elaborate a little bit about my thoughts about each of the principles. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of read some of the blog posts that I've written about this stuff. And um, so a lot of this will actually be read rather than kind of um, ad lib. So I hope that works for all of you. And I hope I can still be interesting, even though uh, reading sometimes it's hard to listen to. So Let's get into it, and we'll just kind of see how this goes today. All right, so the first principle of intuitive eating is reject the dieting mentality. So with intuitive eating, we are leaving behind the fleeting trends of diets, and we're really trying to reconnect to our own bodies. So even though many people associate healthy eating and dieting as being one and the same, I want you guys to know that that could not be further from the truth. Dieting really isn't healthy or even health-promoting, and here's why. The most consistent long-term effect of weight loss diets is actually weight gain. I have a whole episode about um, weight science. I believe it's episode 111, so if you're interested in that, check that out. Research shows that dieting often leads to weight gain, binge eating, and eating disorders. And yo-yo dieting is really not good for our health. Weight cycling and yo-yo dieting have been associated with greater incidence of diabetes, hypertension, insulin sensitivity, and mortality. And one thing about about this principle that's so tricky is that dieting is sneakier than ever. Diets used to be bold and obvious, and now they're more insidious. So I want you to know that any rigid food plan that tells you exactly what to eat and what not to eat is a diet. And for most people, this will lead to vacillating between restriction and binging, ultimately leading you further away from being able to peacefully connect to your body's innate wisdom. So this first principle of intuitive eating, reject the dieting mentality, means you're recognizing diet culture messaging for what it is. People selling diets are trying to make you believe there's something wrong with you, which there isn't, that you need fixing, you don't, and that they have the answer, they don't. Not only is there not something wrong with you, the dieting, the diets that they're selling actually won't quote unquote fix what they say it will. So escaping the fixation, obsessive habits, and groupthink of dieting can be really challenging. This particular principle, I think, is one of the hardest ones. 
because this is an ongoing process that involves awareness, resilience, education, self-compassion, support, and continual permission to challenge diet culture. Remember, you've tried dieting and it doesn't work, most likely. Uh, Mourn the empty promises of diets and trust the process of reconnecting to your body's natural ability to regulate its nutritional needs. So this principle number one of intuitive eating, reject the diet mentality. This is so hard. This is an ongoing process. This is not something you just wake up and you say, you know what, I'm letting go of all the things I've ever learned about dieting. Uh, This is sometimes a years-long process, and it requires a lot of patience with yourself, a lot of patience with people around you, because when you learn about this whole idea of how diets really don't work and they actually don't even make us any healthier, it can be really frustrating to then interact with other people who aren't on the same page with you. So rejecting the dieting mentality is step number one for a reason. It's a good foundation to have, and you don't necessarily need to have have it perfectly figured out how to reject the dieting mentality in order to like move on and work on other things. But just know that this is something that you will continually notice, continually kind of work to dismantle in your own mind and unlearn because it's a huge, huge process. Okay. So the second principle of intuitive eating is honor your hunger. So This is what we want you to know, Tiffany and I want you to know about this second principle. Keep your body fed with adequate energy, otherwise you can trigger this primal drive to overeat. Learning to honor this biological signal sets the stage for building trust with yourself and food. Some basic needs our bodies have are breathing, sleeping, eating, drinking, and going to the bathroom and staying warm. For each of those needs, your body has a signal it gives you to communicate what it needs. So here's something I tell my clients all the time. When you have to pee, you can ignore this cue for a bit, but eventually the need to pee becomes so strong and painful that it occupies all your thoughts. Theoretically, if you were to continue to ignore the cue to pee, eventually you'd pee your pants. Now, we wouldn't blame ourselves if that happened. We would understand that this is just our nature. This is was kind of our fault for not listening to that cue. It also makes sense that our body gives us the cue of hunger and that if that cue is ignored, eventually we will compensate and overeat. Because we overeat, or when we overeat, we blame ourselves. And we say it's because we lack willpower, or we tell ourselves the story that this means we're a failure. But many of my clients will tell me that they wish they weren't hungry because diet culture has taught us to ignore, suppress, resent, and question our hunger. Being hungry means you need food. Overeating after ignoring your hunger cues is normal. That doesn't mean you're a defective human being. Honoring your hunger is definitely a process and it can take time, but recognizing that your body is good at getting its nutritional needs met is a critical first step to connect to cues of hunger. Now remember, intuitive eating is not the hunger and fullness diet. We're not robots. Hunger fluctuates day to day, you know, time to time, season to season. And we all eat for reasons other than pure fueling. So watch out for diet rules about your hunger. Many people report increased awareness of hunger cues starting at about three months of consistency. Um, So if you're like, oh, I'm really out of touch with hunger and I don't know what that is really yet for myself, it's actually a really good idea to just start by consistently giving yourself, you know, solid satisfying meals like a solid breakfast a satisfying lunch and dinner with snacks in between meals and or before bed as necessary. 
this is a really good place to start to try to kind of like get your body used to eating regular meals and hopefully fostering your ability to, you know, have those hunger cues come back again. Now, one thing that's really important to understand about intuitive eating is it's kind of, you know, especially this hunger one, this can be tricky. If you've ignored these cues for a really long time, you can't just wake up one day and automatically be super in tune with them. So, you know, recognize that sometimes you just have to start with consistency. You maybe don't necessarily have those cues very well, uh, but hopefully they will come back through time. Now, if you're someone who's suffered from uh, an eating disorder and you feel really out of touch with this stuff, that's where someone like me or, you know, someone who does similar work that I do or Tiffany therapy, um, that's where we can come in. So when I'm talking on the podcast, I'm talking in general terms, I'm talking, you know, kind of this is something to think about, not necessarily obviously giving any type of medical advice, but anyway, that's the second principle of intuitive eating. The third principle of intuitive eating is make peace with food. So I love this one. This is where we're really just trying to stop that food fight, where we're giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. And if you believe you can't or shouldn't have a certain food, it can lead to intense deprivation. It can build into uncontrollable cravings and binging. When you finally give in to your forbidden food, eating will be experienced with such intensity that it usually results in last supper overeating, buffet mentality, and extreme guilt. So, understandably, struggling with your relationship with food can feel like an all-out war with yourself and with food, and it can be really frustrating. If you want to find peace with food, you've got to make amends with food and call a truce. You can call a truce by giving yourself full permission. Now, I recognize fully that that sounds really scary, but permission is an incredibly powerful and a critical part of healing your relationship with food. Here are some of the benefits of unconditional permission to eat. Permission creates mental space to really figure out what you need and what you want. When you feel restricted with foods, you automatically want the things you tell yourself you can't have. If you give yourself permission, you find that you don't always want those things anymore because now they aren't forbidden. And you know them you know you can have them right now, you know you know that you can have them, you know, tomorrow and another day, so it really makes it make less sense to binge on them. Permission takes away the pressure of feeling like you have to be perfect as well. And by doing that, you're now more focused about figuring out what's right for you. When we make peace with food, we take the power back. We know both Girl Scout cookies and broccoli are part of a balanced relationship with food. We know by allowing cookies, we remove the guilt, deprivation, shame, and fixation around them. We find Halloween candy left over for months because we can find because we find when we're allowed to always have it, we don't always want it or feel like we have to have it. It's a food. It's not a world war. So start making peace. I talk about I talk about this a lot with my clients, this idea of like calling this truce, giving yourself permission. And yes, it feels scary. And yes, it can kind of feel, ironically, kind of counterintuitive to give yourself permission. But it's actually with that permission that you open up your brain to be able to actually start asking yourself the right questions. Like, do I want this? Does it sound good? Will this satisfy me? Um, and even while you're eating, does this taste good? Right? You're not really asking yourself those questions when you're at all-out war with yourself around food. 
So if this idea of permission is appealing to you, I want to encourage you to listen to episode 101, where I talk with Haley Goodrich about the power of permission. Okay. So principle four of intuitive eating is challenge the food police. So this is where we start to really get honest with the thoughts that are going on in our head. And we develop some awareness and mindfulness around um, those thoughts that declare that you're good for eating minimal calories or that you're bad because you ate some cake. The food police monitor the unreasonable rules that dieting has created. The food police are deep in your psyche due to years of conditioning. They relentlessly shame you for your food intake. They shout negative, hopeless insults and guilt-provoking criticisms. Chase these food police away. Um, chasing them away is a critical step to return to intuitive eating. Now we say return to intuitive eating is the reason we say that is because really intuitive eating is what we're born with, right? That's an important point here is with intuitive eating, we're not learning something new. We're coming back to something we already know. We're respecting and honoring our innate and internal wisdom that we have to know when to eat and when to stop eating and to enjoy food and to enjoy um, nourishment and satisfaction. So these inner critics moralize food and relentlessly judge you for your food choices. The food police are rigid, they love all or nothing thinking, and they make you feel bad. As you try to unravel the diet mentality, remember you don't have to believe the thoughts you currently have about food. Just because you don't Just because you think it doesn't make it true. Question the thoughts you have about food from a place of logic, evidence, empathy, and compassion. Rely on research and support as you build your ability to challenge your food police thoughts. Thought challenging is a muscle and you get stronger with practice. The rules you've learned about food are not universal truths. They are temporary trends that shift with decades, marketing, and fads. One day eggs are bad for you and then the next... uh, And if you eat them, your cholesterol is doomed. (laughs) And the food police tell you you're bad if you eat eggs. Another day, eggs are a superfood. And now you're morally superior if you check off that diet rule. So this is one of the things I'm really passionate about. And I think that I love the the part where we talk about how you can challenge these thoughts with logic, evidence, empathy, and compassion. Um, So from the empathy, From the evidence and logic standpoint, this is exactly why I've created this course, Positive Nutrition 101. Many of you have probably heard about it, but just in case you haven't, this is a brand new course that I released that's all about the science of nutrition without the gimmicks. So I co-teach this with my friend Jessie Hoffman, who is about to get her PhD in nutrition sciences, and we talk about some of the most important things that people misunderstand or have the wrong idea about with food. And we do this from an evidence-based perspective. So she has a really awesome sciencey brain. I have a really um, a lot of experience on the practical side of this stuff. So we co-teach this course where we're really working on challenging a lot of these diet rules that don't even make scientific sense. And um, from that logic and evidence standpoint, this can really be a helpful part of, you know, rejecting the dieting mentality, challenging the food police, even making peace with food. So this course we're really proud of as, as it's, um, you know, it has a lot of potential to really go well with learning about these principles of intuitive eating. Okay, so let's talk about the fifth principle of intuitive eating. This is called respect your fullness. I love this one. 
So listen for the body signals that tell you you are no longer hungry. Observe the signs that show you you're comfortably full. Pause in the middle of a meal or food and ask yourself how the food tastes and what is your current fullness level. Perhaps the food no longer tastes good. Perhaps you no longer want any. Perhaps you sense the next bite will make you uncomfortable. Get curious about your unique navigation of hunger and fullness. Just like your body has the innate ability to communicate its need for food and nourishment through hunger, your body communicates when it's had enough through fullness. Stopping when comfortably full can take practice, but through honoring hunger and gently paying attention to your body while eating, you'll feel connected and confident in your ability to detect hunger and honor fullness. You're allowed to feel full and say no to the food police that tell you that fullness is a bad thing or that you should be able to get by on less. Too full isn't comfy, but not full enough won't lead to a sense of well-being either. Remember, it's normal to sometimes eat past the point of fullness. Intuitive eating is not the hunger and fullness diet. It's normal for predetermined portion sizes to not fill your unique fullness cues. It's also normal for predetermined portion sizes to fill you beyond your levels of comfort. Release the diet rules and start to listen to your body. You give yourself the best chance at recognizing comfortable fullness when it comes by giving your body consistent, regular, satisfying meals throughout the day. Many people tell me that hardly eating, they hardly eat during the day and then feel confused and discouraged when they wind up uncomfortably stuffed at the end of the day. Giving your body regular, adequate nourishment throughout the day is a critical way to set yourself up for successfully turning, tuning into uh, fullness cues. So this idea of, you know, why, why am I binging at the end of the day or why am I uncomfortably full um, when I hardly eat throughout the day and then I, and then I kind of go crazy at night. This is something I see so, so often. So starting to recognize that fullness is good, that feeling of fullness and satisfaction at the end of a meal is really something to try to aim for, you know, consistently throughout the day, not just in the evening, but also in the morning and hopefully in the midday as well. Okay. So principle six of intuitive eating is another one of my favorites. I really, really love this one. This is discover the satisfaction factor. So satisfaction is the hub and driving force of intuitive eating. And in the intuitive eating book, they they do such a good job of talking about this uh, word satisfaction and breaking it down and talking about this. But just to kind of summarize, one of the big things that the authors talk about in the book is that many cultures have the wisdom to promote pleasure as one of their goals of healthy living. In diet culture, we often overlook one of the most basic gifts of existence, the pleasure and satisfaction that can be found in the eating experience. When you eat what you really want in an environment that's inviting and conducive, the pleasure you derive will be a powerful force in helping you feel satisfied and content. So how do you find satisfaction? You can ask yourself, what do you want to eat? What sounds good? What taste, flavor, texture, temperature, and consistency do you want? What will hit the spot? Another thing I like to ask um, myself or encourage my clients to ask themselves is, what could you do? What could you add to the food you're already eating to help increase the satisfaction factor? So thinking like, do you want to add a sauce or a fat or some carbohydrate or um, you know, something yummy and tasty to your meal? Don't be afraid of that, that there's so much power in satisfaction and pleasure. 
So experiencing satisfaction with the eating experience is slightly different than just feeling full. You can feel full without actually being satisfied. Satisfaction and pleasure with food is when you not only have a physical feeling of fullness, but you also feel content with the textures, flavors, and overall enjoyable experience of eating. So often, we disconnect from taste and pleasure in the name of health. When you've been steeped in diet culture, your connection to satisfaction with food has often been neglected. Make no mistake, it's important for your health to enjoy food and eating. That connection can help you tune into your body and recognize the signs of being done with eating. Now, here's the nuance. They're really, for sure, 100% positive of this. There will be times where you don't derive tons of pleasure from eating, and that is okay. So don't set yourself up for this. Like Every meal needs to like blow my mind and taste so delicious and be exactly what I was wanting. If you set yourself up for that, you will continually fall short. But allowing food to be an enjoyable experience, valuing pleasure in your approach to health, and really connecting to taste and and pleasure is a really important way to connect to your body and to what it's trying to communicate to you. So I love this one. I think letting go of this idea that like in order to eat, quote, healthy, um, you need to just not enjoy your food. That is such a lie. Um, Satisfaction is such an important part of, of human existence. Like pleasure is such a huge deal. And it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to lean into. It's something to enjoy and appreciate and to recognize that it actually helps you tune into how to, how to care for yourself. So I love this one. Love, love, love it. Okay, principle seven of intuitive eating is honor your feelings without using food. So this is where we find ways to nurture, comfort, soothe, and calm yourself without using food. Recognize the goal with this one isn't to eradicate all emotional eating. It's to become aware of when you're eating for reasons that food won't really solve or help you in the long term. So emotional eating gets vilified. We can spend so much time worrying about what goes into our mouths at the expense of what we're allowing to take up space in our minds. Don't get caught in that trap. Our self-talk and having a positive relationship with food are important facets of health that can often get overlooked. When pursuing a better connection to our bodies through intuitive eating, we can feel anxious about our eating. We can feel anxious about eating for reasons other than true hunger. Many people who realize that diets aren't the answer end up unknowingly turning intuitive eating into yet another diet, where there are strict, rigid rules about only eating when you're hungry and only stopping when you're full. Here's an important point. Intuitive eating isn't doing its job for you if you're attempting to be perfect at it. Intuitive eating allows for lots of wiggle room to hone in on a place with feeding yourself and nourishing your body in a way that's right for you. It's not intended to be a method to find a perfect way to eat because perfection, especially with food and eating, doesn't really exist. It's important to recognize that the goal isn't to never emotionally eat. Obviously, using food as your only coping skill isn't going to lead to optimal health. But creating tons of anxiety around food because you're so nervous about eating for reasons other than hunger isn't good for your health either. So become aware of the times where you're eating when you're not truly hungry and attempt to understand when eating for a reason other than hunger is working for you and when it isn't. Build a relationship of acceptance and curiosity with your emotions. So many of us have um, never learned emotional regulation skills And I think that this is a really, really important part of being able to, you know, honor your body and recognize all these cues and connect to yourself 
is to be able to really learn how to feel your feelings. So I actually have a podcast episode about this that I recorded with Tiffany Rowe. And you know what? I'm forgetting the number right off the top of my head. I will look it up while I'm talking with you guys. Um, But also Tiffany teaches a course on emotional regulation. And I took that course and it's a great one. It's a really, really great one. So um, the one with Tiffany Rowe is episode 110, How to Feel Your Feelings. So check that one out as well. I think this is such an important part of mindfulness practice, learning how to feel your feelings. Um, it's also an important point, important part of, you know, developing a healthy relationship with food as well. Awesome. Okay. So principle eight of intuitive eating is respect your body. Your body is unique with its own set of genetic markers. It will never be another body. Find connection to your body, its shape, its image, and what it can do. So the authors of intuitive eating write, accept your genetic blueprint. Just as a person with a shoe size of eight would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size six, it's equally as futile and uncomfortable to have the same expectation with body size, but mostly respect your body so you can feel better about who you are. It's time to reject the diet mentality if if you are unrealistic and overly critical about your body shape. So I love this one. I think that you know, it's tough to talk about food without talking about this idea of, of body image. And because so often the way we feed ourselves is completely related to how we feel about our bodies. Body respect looks like building a relationship of respect with your own body, like you would with any other relationship. Respect is a feeling of deep admiration for, for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Start by considering where your negative thoughts about body come, body image come from and start to see the messages you've absorbed about your body. Start to build new beliefs. Unfollow triggering media, throw out your scale, get rid of clothing that doesn't fit your body, toss the fitness tracker if you need to. Start offering you and your body compassion. Your body is just one part of who you are. Find ways to identify and appreciate who you are beyond your body. Learn to extend kindness and grace to others' bodies so you're able to practice the skill of body respect. Extending that respect eventually, to, and eventually to yourself can be such a powerful shift to connecting and tuning into its needs with more skill. All right, guys. So right now, as I'm recording this podcast episode, I am running an eight-week body image resilience course. So what we're doing is we are watching one unit of the Beauty Redefined Body Image Resilience online course, and then we're coming together in person in my um, group room in my office in Salt Lake City, and we are talking about what we learned. And oh my goodness, I've only done two weeks so far, and it has been amazing. This stuff is awesome. I'm so excited to be able to be a facilitator for this incredible work of helping people respect their bodies and helping people learn to see more than a body in themselves and in other and in others. So I don't have everything all organized right now, but I want to I want you to know that if you're interested in engaging in the Beauty Redefined Body Image Resilience course with me um, in a group format where we watch the um, online course separately and then we come together as a group and and discuss. If you're interested in that, you've please feel free to send me an email. You can just hop on my website and um, send an email there in the contact form. Um, 
send me an email and I want to start a wait list because I think I will run this group again. It's been amazing. Um, this, this one is so powerful and so important. This idea of respecting your body. I love it. Okay. Just two more. So the ninth principle of intuitive eating is exercise and feel the difference. So I want you to think about this. Remember when you were a kid and moving your body felt fun and completely natural? A summer day as a kid might have consisted of climbing trees, playing kickball, going swimming, riding bikes, playing tag, shooting a basketball, those kinds of things. Now I want you to ask yourself, like, why do we overcomplicate this? Why do we overcomplicate movement and exercise as adults? I want you to know there is no one right way to exercise. And the truth is regular movement will be far more doable when it's enjoyable for you rather than a form of punishment for your body. Separating exercise from diet culture is a powerful way to reclaim the joy in movement. Sometimes we get wrapped up in shoulds and shouldn'ts with exercise. And in the process, we're left feeling paralyzed. And we don't take action because it can all feel too overwhelming. The important thing to do here is to move your body. It's not about exercising perfectly. If the gym is enjoyable and fulfilling for you, keep doing it. If you're feeling like getting up and moving is a constant struggle, consider looking for activities that might help you connect better to your body, to the people you love, to your memories, and to the things that you enjoy. Don't let shame, stereotypes, or diet norms stop you. No matter your, what your shape or size is, you have the human right to move your body in the way you want. If you, do you want to swim, but diet culture says your body isn't swimsuit ready? Swim anyway. Do you want to do yoga and you can't hold the poses? Do yoga anyway. Do you want to dance, but you don't have rhythm? Dance anyway. Hate the gym and prefer to be in nature, walk the dogs, garden, or jump rope? Do those. Movement is part of self-care and you have the right to do it. Sometimes this principle me might mean that we need to take a break from exercise. So if you've compulsively exercised, it might be better for you and your overall health to back off for a little while while you work on healing your relationship with food and body. Um, and especially if you are someone who has an eating disorder, really, really encourage you to reach out to a treatment team. Um, this exercise stuff is really tricky and it's so praised and glorified in our culture. So it can be really tricky to even know if it's, if it is up to that point where it's problematic. Okay. Last principle of intuitive eating is principle 10, honor your health with gentle nutrition. Now I've already mentioned my online course, but this is really what I built the online course for is to help reject the dieting mentality, make peace with food, challenge the food police for sure. All of that. But also, um, you know, we often say in the intuitive eating world, we say, work on the first nine principles. And when that all feels like you're in a good place, you know, then kind of move on to honoring your health with gentle nutrition. So keep that in mind. This one can kind of, kind of seem like a diet sometimes if you haven't um, done the other work uh, initially. So I personally believe that this principle of understanding gentle nutrition and allowing that to play a part in how you make choices with food, I think this is really, for me, what brings it all together. Intuitive eating sometimes gets mischaracterized as eat whatever you want, whenever you want it, with zero guidelines. And it's important to recognize that it's more about balancing all the different reasons for how we choose what to eat. There are so many valid reasons for choosing 
what to eat. Some of them are what sounds good, what's accessible, what's nutritious, what you anticipate will be satisfying, and on and on. Intuitive eating is saying that nutrition and balance can be part of the equation for food choices, but shouldn't dominate your thought process around food. When what's healthy dominates your decision-making process with food, you're less healthy mentally and physically as a result. Gentle nutrition is about trying to tune into our innate wisdom with food. It's okay to choose a more nutrition nutritious option, just like it's okay to choose a less nutritious option. There isn't morality in food choices. It comes down to your intention with and your why behind the choice. If you're choosing a salad because it's what you truly want, you don't restrict it, you don't feel at all restricted with this choice, go for it and enjoy it. If you're choosing a salad to punish yourself for yesterday, then that's really not hitting on this idea of gentle nutrition. Nutrition is an important and evolving science. There is so much to be gleaned from understanding nutrition and the way food helps us live happy, healthy lives. But mistakenly, people can see intuitive eating as advocating for anti-health ideals. This principle helps us understand that when it comes to nutrition, science matters, nuance matters, balance matters, and more. Our health suffers when any one reason for eating wins out every time. So be mindful in this principle um, and be mindful that it's last for a reason. Like I mentioned, if you've been stuck in dieting, you might need to kind of work on the, the previous principles before jumping into this idea of nutrition again. But if you are feeling ready to work on this idea of gentle nutrition, or if the idea of like understanding nutrition science better feels like it could be a really helpful thing on your intuitive eating journey or whatever you want to call it, journey, um, check out my online course called Positive Nutrition 101. You can find that by going to positive-nutrition.com and then click on the Academy tab and it will take you right there to the course. Just see if it might be a good fit for you. Okay, so I want to take a minute and kind of debunk some of the common myths about intuitive eating really quick. So the first one is that, um, uh, and I, I've kind of talked about this during my descriptions of the, uh, the principles, but I want to kind of reiterate here kind of in a different section, talking about some of the things that I think people take intuitive eating um, and kind of misunderstand it or they don't like it because they misinterpret it as meaning these things. So the first one is that people think of intuitive eating as a diet. So it's really important to understand that fundamentally intuitive eating is a paradigm that helps us embrace a non-diet approach to health and nutrition. So um, when you're really used to rigid diets and all or nothing rules, it can be kind of weird to be introduced to this new idea of intuitive eating where you're like, okay, hey, what are the rules here? And what can't I do? And what can I do? And what's my checklist? Um, and that's just fundamentally not what intuitive eating is. So um, dieters often have to really learn to grapple with the abstract nature of intuitive eating and really might have to even fight against the urge to turn it into yet another diet. So be careful with that. Be careful with the all or nothing thinking that can come in and also be careful um, for the, the idea and the theme of perfectionism coming in. You don't need to be perfect at this. Um, another myth that people have or misunderstanding that people have about intuitive eating is that there's no structure. It's true that there's less structure with intuitive eating than a fad diet, but trying to eat intuitively doesn't mean you have an absolute lack of structure with your eating routine and schedule. 
you can, you can, um, and probably even might find more success and peace with intuitive eating by applying a bit of structure where you say, okay, here's the normal times during the day that I eat. And here's the normal times where I might need to have a snack. And within the structure of those times, then you ask yourself, how hungry do I feel? How much do I feel like I need to eat right now, given my level of hunger? Um, Or sometimes you might not normally have a morning snack, let's say, but sometimes you recognize in between breakfast and lunch, woo, today I'm hungry. And intuitive eating would say, honor that. So there can be some structure, but it's got to be flexible. It's got to be, you know, adaptable and not rigid structure. Okay. Uh, Another intuitive eating myth is that you have to obey every craving instantly. Sometimes it can feel like intuitive eating is encouraging you to eat whatever you want, whenever you want it. However, intuitive eating has a core principle of honoring your body's wants and needs through time and experience. Most people will realize that the that they truly don't want an entire package of Oreos or an entire loaf of bread, for example. Some people experience some pretty intense carb carb cravings when they're new to intuitive eating. But with time, things level out. If you can keep your head on straight through the emotional roller coaster that can be your relationship with food during the beginning stages of eating this way, you will see so many improvements in your mental health and physical health. It's so cool. Um... This doesn't mean that you need to like never override an urge or a craving with food. Sometimes you, sometimes when you really try to understand where the desire to eat a certain food is coming from, it can be easy to see you're driven to eat this food for some type of other need that might be able to be solved better than by eating. But again, like we talked about, like it's not saying that emotional eating is something that needs to be completely eradicated. But it's also developing this wisdom around, you know, what do I need right now and how can I best care for myself? So sometimes that might say, that might look like, wow, I have this craving to eat this food, but I realize this food isn't actually what I want. I actually need relaxation or I actually need a break. Um, But other times you might say, yep, I'm having this urge and craving to eat this food and I'm recognizing that is what I want and that is what's going to satisfy me right now and you go for it. So it's just taking away the morality of like it's the right choice always to not to choose to not eat the food when you're craving it. Um, it's taking that morality away that says that that's always the right choice or that the other way is is always the right choice. You're just kind of getting comfortable with like the nuance and the gray of like sometimes the right choice is to eat it. Sometimes the right choice might be to to really look deeper at what you need emotionally. Okay. Another misunderstanding is that. Uh, intuitive eating is letting yourself go. I really want you to know that this is not letting yourself go. It's just letting yourself be. You don't have to completely stop caring about life to be an intuitive eater. Looking inward for guidance about what, how much, and when to eat leaves room for the most important things of life. All in balance, of course, with a gentle concern for nutrition and health. Okay, another one is that people think that there's no concern for nutrition. Um, intuitive eating does not ignore basic principles of health and nutrition with intuitive eating. You can and should still think about how balance, um, how balance can play a role in the way you eat, um, in your meals. Intuitive eating is simply not a weight loss plan, but instead a philosophy to put health first and to let your body's weight reflect your genetic endowment and lifestyle, um, as you implement, you know, 
healthy, a healthy approach to food and beyond. So a 2014 study showed that a mindful intuitive eating intervention was actually more effective than a traditional weight loss program in improving individuals' views of their bodies and decreasing problematic eating behaviors. So many people find that they make better nutrition choices as a result of intuitive eating rather than the common assumption that intuitive eating leads to complete chaos and terrible nutrition. Now, I will say that a lot of times in the first like little while of working on intuitive eating, um, they a lot of times, I think in the book they call it the Doritos and Donuts phase. And so, yeah, that might feel scary. Like, whoa, I'm, I'm eating all these things that, that have been forbidden and this feels really scary. But things really do level out, especially with that unconditional permission to eat. Now, if this feels hard or scary or impossible, that's why people like me exist. You know, we help people figure out what this looks like on an individual level for people. Okay, so another misconception is that intuitive eating is like anti-weight loss. I want to just say nobody is trying to say that you're a bad person if you end up losing weight with intuitive eating. However, it's really ethically tricky to promise weight loss when the research and the science just does not back up um, weight loss interventions long term. We don't have good science to support any one method um, and feeling confident that any one method for weight loss is going to be sustainable, realistic, or ultimately healthy. But when you... um, work on these principles of intuitive eating, if that leads to your body losing weight, that means that that's probably what your body needed to do. If you work on these principles and that leads to your body gaining weight, that's probably because the weight you were before these principles wasn't the right weight for you. Um, If you're doing these things and you feel really satisfied and content and positive and peaceful around food and your body's staying the same weight, that's a good chance that you're at the right weight for you. So this is what it means to be neutral about weight. It means that you don't necessarily, um, you know, apply the principles of intuitive eating for a certain outcome with your weight. You apply them in the name of health and well-being um, and taking great care of yourself. And then you trust that your body has the ability to find that right weight for you. Okay, so I want to highlight some... um, some resources for you on my website. So I don't know how many of you already know this, but I actually have, beyond the podcast, I also have a blog on my website. And um, I take a lot of time to write articles that I think will be helpful for people in this process. So feel free to check out the blog. I have um, an entire uh, post dedicated to how to transition from tracking macros to intuitive eating. I have a post about um, 10 reasons diets don't work. I also um, talk about this word healthy in one of the posts that I have where we're talking about what does this word actually mean and how do we use it, kind of misuse it sometimes, in, especially in diet culture. Um, another blog post I have is titled When Emotional Eating is A-OK. So I talk about, you know, uh, kind of the nuance of emotional eating where it's not always a terrible thing. Uh, another one that I have that might be helpful for some of you is I call it eight signs your healthy eating efforts might be problematic. So I talk about how you can kind of assess if your 
efforts at, quote, healthy, and again, that word is tricky to define, but if your efforts at healthy eating, how can you know if it's, you know, truly grounded and good and healthy and balanced versus off into this zone where we're really kind of dipping into diet culture or problematic things? So you might want to check that one out. And then um, I, I do talk about this word balance in another post where I'm talking about what do I mean when I use the word balance? Um, that one hit home for a lot of people. And then let's see, I have one called what is normal eating, another one called intuitive eating isn't the goal. And what I mean by that basically is that, um, you know, if you turn intuitive eating into a checklist of rules and do's and don'ts and shoulds and shouldn'ts, then it really doesn't look much different than a diet. So just being really careful to think of intuitive eating as a paradigm or as a framework that you can use to kind of help you figure out what's right for you. And if your version of intuitive eating looks different than someone else's version of intuitive eating, that's okay. That's actually probably a good sign that things are going right for both of you, that you're individualized in your approach. So we sometimes get into this habit of comparing ourselves to someone online or on social media like, oh, well, she's posting about intuitive eating and she's eating this, this, and this, and I'm eating intuitively and I'm eating this. Am I doing it right? Be really careful of that. Intuitive eating isn't the goal. Your health and well-being and um, sense of, yeah, like mental health and physical health, all of that is the goal, I would think, for most people, depending on what your values are. And you know, resist the urge to compare what you're doing versus what someone else is doing. Okay. And then in the last few minutes of this podcast episode, I wanted to take some time to read one of my recent posts called The Problems with Nutrition and Health Goals. I'm reading this because I think as we talk about intuitive eating, this conversation can really bring up a lot of like goal-oriented thinking because a lot of times we're really used to that with with dieting and um, I want to just kind of make my case for maybe another approach. Okay, so I'm going to read you this post. Here we go. I've always had trouble with the concept of goals. Don't misunderstand. I'm a very driven and motivated person and I like routine and structure, but something about the idea of goals has always rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe it's a continual cycle of setting goals, being motivated, forgetting or losing focus about the goal, recommitting and starting over. To me, this cycle feels exhausting, discouraging, and not very productive. There was one point in my career as a registered dietitian where I was finally able to pinpoint what always bothered me about goals. When most people set goals, they're really talking about values. It was a true light bulb moment. Here's the distinction between goals and values, and here's why it matters when it comes to nutrition and health. Goals are things you can cross off your list. Goals either will or will not be completed. You can set a goal to run a race in October, and when October rolls around, you can cross that off your list. You ran the race. You completed your goal. But values, unlike goals, are things you nurture. The very nature of values is the inability to ever cross the finish line with them. Values are things you can do right now. Values are always available to us. But the nature of values is that they can never actually be achieved. We're never done working on values, but they give us direction in how to live our lives. And most of the time, the things we value elicit certain desired behavior. It would be silly to have a goal to be honest and then tell the truth one day and cross honesty from your list. 
The problem here is that honesty is something you value. It isn't really a goal, and you can never be done with it. Honesty is something you continually work on, consistently making efforts to be truthful and forthright. So here's how this connects to nutrition and health. Health isn't a goal. It's something you might value, though. And because you value it, it's something you can work on and nurture right now. We can't just eat a carrot one day and cross off health from our goals list. Valuing health and nutrition is more complex than any one food. So just like it would be silly to say you're done with health when you eat a carrot, it's also really silly to say you've ruined your health because you ate a cookie. The way you care for yourself over time with sleep, nutrition, movement, rest, mental health, etc. is what helps you move towards your value of health. And because health and nutrition are things you value, they're available to you right here, right now. It can be so helpful to understand the distinction between goals and values. When a thought comes up about something you want to do or work on, you can identify whether or not this is something you can cross off your list and be done with, a goal, or if it's something you can never be done with but but can continually nurture, values. Recognizing this distinction can help you avoid the burnout and frustration as you continue to foster a positive relationship with the things you value most. And it can be a game changer in, in making progress and finding peace with food. All right, guys. So I hope that this long, long episode about goals and values and intuitive eating and what this means and what this isn't, I hope this is a helpful way to understand this paradigm, this approach, this framework. Um, I want to give you tons and tons of space to practice this and to recognize that this is not something you just wake up and understand, but it's something that you um, work on and nurture and value. So with that, a couple things. If you want to join us over in the Facebook group, you can join us at um, Nutrition Matters Podcast Community on Facebook. Love to have you there. Uh, Check out the online course, see if that might be a good fit for you, especially if you're feeling like you're in that place where you're ready for the gentle nutrition part of of, uh, intuitive eating. And um, thanks for being here. I want to just mention last week I talked about how I am going to probably take a two-month break in November and December. Thanks for all the support with that. I really, really appreciate that. And I'm so grateful for all of you just being incredible supportive, wonderful listeners. So thank you so much for all of that. And um, yeah, I will see you soon for another episode. Thanks for being here. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you soon for another episode.